morning to the City Church. Great to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, I want to thank Pastors Brent and Nicole uh, for having me here in this awesome church. And let me pray and get right to God's Word this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your Word. God, we thank you for the uh, transformational power of your Word, that when your Word is spoken and our hearts are open and willing to receive it, that you can do something supernatural in our lives. And so we just open up ourselves to receive from you this morning, and everybody wants a piece of that said. Amen, amen, amen. This morning I want to share a message with you from the book of Hebrews. And I think that this uh, letter to the Hebrews in the Bible is really relevant to what we're going through today uh, in our nation as a church because this letter was written to a church that's going through a lot of persecution from the outside and experiencing a lot of pressure from the inside. Can anybody relate to pressure right now? Are you experiencing pressure in any area of your life? Yes, a lot of us. So this letter actually has a lot of things to say to us in the book of Hebrews. And whenever persecution and pressure come, they only come for one reason, and that's to make you give up on your faith. Whenever you're experiencing persecution in your life from the enemy or pressure from the inside, emotionally, mentally, relationally, what's, what's trying to happen is the enemy is trying to get you to give up on your faith. And just as sure as God has a plan for your life, the enemy has a plan to prevent God's plan for your life. And the way that that plan shows up is usually through pressure and persecution. Because the enemy knows that as long as you maintain your faith in God, as long as you maintain, as you hold on to your faith in God, no matter what happens, God's plans and promises for you will still come to pass. They may be delayed, but they cannot be destroyed as long as you hang on to your faith in God. And so I believe that God gave me this message today because there are people here and watching online and you're feeling the pressure to give up your faith in God. The enemy's bringing thoughts of doubt to you, feelings of isolation, maybe dealing with anxiety and depression, maybe for the first time in your life, or maybe they're coming back in this season in your life. And though you're not done living, you're considering no longer believing. And the problem is that we can continue living without believing. And for, for, for most of us, we can kind of fake believe, and people think we're still engaging, people think we're still living by faith because we're faking it, but we're no longer actually believing. And if that's you today, you're exactly the person that God is speaking to. And he wants to encourage you to cling to your faith. And this letter in the book of Hebrews is perfect for what we're going through today because it is also written to people who have been pressured to give up their faith. And that's why in the book of Hebrews you're going to find all kinds of uh, exhortations and encouragements to cling to your faith. For example, Hebrews 10.35 says this. It says, do not, everybody say do not. So this is not a, this is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. Now, whatever else you do, don't do this one thing. He says, do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Now, I love that verse because it tells me that the devil can't take my confidence. And the only way I'm going to lose my confidence is if I fling it away. The only way I'm going to lose my confidence is if I allow the pressures and the persecutions in my life to throw away that confidence. So the writer of Hebrews says, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence because it carries something with it. It carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Who wants some glorious compensation? I would love some glorious compensation. Now this word confidence is another word for faith. It, it talks about faith in God. And if somebody listening to me right now and you feel like you've lost everything, 
everything except your faith. That if you're looking at your life and say, I've lost everything, but I'm still holding on to my faith. And if that's you, I have great news for you. Because if you've lost everything except your faith, if faith is all you have, faith is all you need. Because faith carries something with it. It carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Now, shortly after uh, this encouragement in Hebrews 10.35, there comes one of the most famous uh, chapters in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, which talks about faith. And it's, it's, kind, it's called the, the Hall of Faith. It's where all the heroes of faith, uh, they show up in this chapter. It talks about uh, men and women like, like Moses and Abraham, like Sarah, like Rahab. And, and it talks about their great exploits of faith. We are reminded of stories of a sea parting and sun standing still and walls falling down and people surviving uh, the den of lions and fiery furnaces. And in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is reminding this church that is feeling pressure and persecution. And, and through this letter, God is reminding us in the Canadian church that no matter how impossible the situation looks, no matter how dire the circumstances seem, no matter how hopeless the season feels, no matter how long revival tarries. By faith, anything is possible. By faith, anything is possible. And Hebrews 11 is this recounting of faith story after faith story. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a baby, and then at 99, they had a baby. It's another faith story. Moses at the Red Sea, he, he extends the staff and the sea parts. And then, and then Rahab saves her whole family from destruction. Uh, and then the walls of Jericho fall down, and on and on and on. And this chapter is just about faith story after faith story. And I would love to preach to you from Hebrews 11, because it would be so exciting. But today, I'm going to preach to you from Hebrews 12. Because Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 are actually two sides of the same coin. And while we love talking about Hebrews 11, sometimes we forget about Hebrews 12. But Hebrews 12 is very important because while Hebrews 11 is the hope, Hebrews 12 is the how. Hebrews 11 fills you with faith, but Hebrews 12 shows you how to walk by faith. Hebrews 11 is the inspiration. It's like when you finally decide that you're going to get in shape, and so you get that gym membership or you buy that treadmill because you're inspired, right? That's Hebrews 11. It fills you with faith. But Hebrews 12 is when you actually go from inspiration to action. And you finally start getting up 45 minutes early to run on the treadmill, or you finally start going to the gym a few times a week. Hebrews 11 is the faith to believe that the battle will end in victory, but Hebrews 12 is the steps to get to that victory. And I love being in services where I'm inspired for victory, but then after I leave the service, I need to figure out how to walk by faith now, how to keep going until I get that victory. Hebrews 11 is the confidence that God will come through, but Hebrews 12 is what to do until he comes through. Because in my journey of faith, what I've realized is, yes, I want to be confident that God is going to come through, but, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for God to come through. That for him, a day is a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. That's all well and good, but I have to figure out what to do during a thousand years. Come on, somebody help me. While I'm waiting for God to come through. That's what Hebrews 12 is all about. That's what I want to share with you today. In fact, the title of my message is, How to Get Through Until God Comes Through. How to Get Through Until God Comes Through. And what I sense in my heart, even though it's my first time preaching here, is that the city church is a faith church. Am I right about that? This is a faith church. People are full of faith. And speaking with Pastor Brent this weekend, he shared story after story of how this church came together, how this church came to be. And it's a faith story after a faith story. And by the way, that is not something you should take for granted. Because I've been to some churches, and they're not faith churches. 
that by the time you leave, you've got less faith than you had when you came in. Anybody with me? So when you're part of a church that's a faith church, you want to celebrate that and enjoy that. And, and, but what I know is that as we live by faith, there are seasons we go through that are really times of waiting for God to come through. These are seasons where you have a vision. It's not that you don't have a vision. You have a vision. But you've reached a place where you can't take one more step until God comes through with a provision. Anybody ever been there? It's seasons when the destination is clear, but the path is complicated. It's when you believe that God is going to heal you, but you need to get through until the healing comes through. It's going through the process before we get to the promise. And, and the writer of Hebrews, after inspiring the church in Hebrews 11, is now going to instruct the church in Hebrews 12 on how to get through until God comes through. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 is what they say. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, everybody say also, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I believe that in these, in these verses we can find three principles to help us get through until God comes through. Number one is we get through by surrounding ourselves with those who have gone through. We get through by surrounding ourselves with those who have gone through. And I have the benefit of, of being raised by a mom who knew how to get through. She knew how to continue going when things went tough. I was raised by a mom who knew what it meant to hold on to faith in God while going through some very difficult circumstances. My, my father was killed when I was six years old, and my mom found herself in her mid-30s with uh, five children, a single mom uh, in, our, in our nation, Rwanda in Africa, and it was a war-torn nation. She had no ability to go back home, and, and we lost 80% of our family members in the, in the genocide. And, and my mom had to cart around all these kids across Africa trying to find a place to land from Rwanda to Tanzania to Kenya before finally bringing us all to Canada as refugees, which we're so grateful for. And then when we finally came here, she couldn't use her degree she earned, even though she was a very high-capacity leader. So she, while, while we're living in government housing, she would go to school during the day and go to work at night to try and get a degree while supporting her family. And, uh, and I just remember a thing after thing that she went through to push her family forward. And even though the pressure was on her, and of course as children we understood there was so much pressure on her, I can tell you that I never once saw her break down under the pressure, even though I very often saw her fall down on her knees in prayer. And by watching her year after year after year, though she never said what she was doing, I could see this is somebody who knows how to go through. This is somebody who knows how to survive tragedy, how to su survive grief and continue moving forward while still believing that God is going to come through. My mom was a person who knew how to get through until God comes through. And two years ago, actually two years ago this month, uh, it was my first time at the city church. I was here for an ARC event. And I happened to be sitting somewhere in that section, and there was a session going, going on. And uh, two seats from me, there was an older gentleman sitting there, 
and uh, between us was my friend Corey who came with me to the, to the conference. And I, I turned to my friend Corey during the session and I said, hey, I don't know who that older gentleman sitting next to you is, but there's something significant about that person. I was like, I don't, I've never met that person, but I, I can tell you that I feel there's something special about that older gentleman. I feel, like, I feel like we're sitting next to Billy Graham or something like that. That's what I said to my friend Corey. Well, uh, later on during that event, um, they, they had a, a, a I think Pastor Brian, I think you were even leading this moment. Uh, we, all the pastors stood up that were at this event, and uh, they decided, hey, we're going to honor uh, Dr. Coulter, Dr. Earl B. Coulter. And I said, that's great. We're going to honor this guy. And, and everybody turned to the gentleman that was sitting next to me. And I realized, oh, we're talking about this guy. And in that moment, I realized I, what I was sensing was accurate, that there was something special about this guy. And, and what happens is with people who have gone through and kept trusting God till God comes through, there's something different about them. And they carry an impartation for faith that we need to continue going when things get tough. You can call it an anointing. You can call it a presence. You can call it an aura, whatever you want to say. But there's something that they have received from their trials and their testings that help us to continue going through. And if you're going to keep going through until God comes through for you, you got to surround yourself with people who have gone through. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. That's why you want to keep going to church. Because while you're going through, there's somebody at church who's already gone through. And they can impart that faith to you. So the writer of Hebrews says, hey, listen, you are not alone. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have gone through and who have seen God come through. And when you start to feel like you're the only one who has ever gone through this, when you want to believe that no one can possibly understand what you're going through, when the thought crosses your mind that nobody cares what happens to you and nobody cares if you compromise and nobody's going to notice if your faith goes from red hot to routine, it's not true. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. David and Moses and Elijah and Elisha and John Wesley and Martin Luther and all these people, they're not sitting up in heaven eating grapes. They're standing around watching us. And they're cheering us on saying, keep going. We went through, God came through for us. And if he did it for us, he's going to do it for you. Somebody say amen this morning. We are not alone. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And they're cheering us on saying, hey, Keep going, and when you're done, you're going to join us and cheer the next generation on. Number two, we get through by running with endurance. We get through by running with endurance. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, our job is to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our job is not to slow down. In this season where we're experiencing persecution and pressure, God's not saying, hey, take you from a run to a walk. And if you can't walk, maybe just crawl. And if crawling's not working for you, maybe just take a nap. And I wake up next to you and see what happens. And that's not what God is saying. God is saying, keep running, but add something to your running. Run with endurance. See, not all who run win the race. It is those who run with endurance that win the race. And the ability to run gets us in the race, but it's the ability to endure that keeps us in the race long enough to win the race. And we must endure the race before we can enjoy the prize. Great wins follow patient endurance. And if we want to win, 
We must be willing to endure. Hebrews 10, 36 says this, For you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Somebody today is feeling like, man, I need more faith. You may not need more faith. You may need more endurance. You may not need more power. You may need more endurance. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Endurance is the key to getting through until God comes through. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Ben, that's great. Uh, Where do I get this endurance? Where do I get more endurance? How how, how do I make sure my life is filled with more endurance? And what I would say to you is that you don't necessarily need more endurance. You just need to start carrying less weight. You don't need more endurance. You just start carrying less weight. And the picture the writer of Hebrews is painting is out of the ancient Olympic Games. And, and, And this time, when the Olympic Games are going on, one of the favorite sports was running. Everybody would gather in the stadium to watch people run and, and cheer them on like, like a great cloud of witnesses. And, and, and the runners would arrive having endured severe training to make sure that there was not one ounce of unnecessary fat on their bodies. So that as they were running, they could endure longer than the person that was running next to them. And then they would show up to these races clothed in robes. And then when they got to the starting line of the race, they would take off the robes and they would run completely naked. That sounds weird to us, but the reason why they did that was they did not want any extra weight on them. They wanted every single advantage when they're running the race because they knew they had to endure. And if there's anything, whether it's physical fat or clothing on their bodies holding them down, it's going to compromise their ability to endure. Come on, somebody help me out. There's something in your life right now compromising your ability to endure. And while you're looking for more endurance, God is saying you just need less weight. So when we are in a season that requires endurance, when we are in a moment of getting through, while we wait for God to come through, we can't afford to carry any unnecessary weight. There's some things God is speaking to you right now. God is touching in your life and asking you to let go. And you're wondering why he's doing that. He's simply asking you to carry less weight. And maybe you've been confused because what God is asking you to give up isn't necessarily sin. But even though something isn't necessarily a sin, it could be an unnecessary weight. And you don't know how long this race is going to last. You don't know how long you're going to have to endure, but the Holy Spirit does. And he will come into your life and he will put his hand on something in your life and he'll say, I need you to put that down. And you'll say, but it's not a sin. He'll say, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about endurance. I'm talking about the ability of you to keep going and outlast this attack and outlast this pressure and outlast this persecution. And if you're going to do that, you can't be carrying any unnecessary weight. I've seen in my own life. I, I, I know when I'm about to enter into a time of endurance because uh, I will feel conviction when I'm watching TV or, or, or watching movies, even watching sports or maybe on social media. I, I, I start to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And even though those things aren't sins, I know what he's doing. What he's doing is he's putting his hand on the unnecessary weight in my life. And he's telling me, you need to put this down because the race you're running, you're not going to be able to endure it with this extra weight with you. So I'm talking to somebody today, and you need to shed some loose living friends. They may be fun, but they're not helping you run. There's somebody here today, you need to cut down on your subscription services. 
God is refining your finances so you can run with endurance. I talked to somebody today, you're called to ministry. And you feel like the more you get committed to serving the church, the narrower your life is becoming and you're getting a concern about that. But what God is telling you is that ministry is about endurance. And God is trimming off all the unnecessary weight so you can win your race. That's what God is doing in your life. Number three, how do we get through? We get through by looking to Jesus. We get through by looking to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. The writer says, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus is not just the savior of our souls, he's the founder of our faith. Another translation says that he is the author of our faith. He's the one who has written and designed and formed and shaped our faith. Our faith in God. I want to encourage you. Why do you want to cling to faith? What makes faith supernatural? Listen, our faith in God does not originate in us. Our faith in God originates in Jesus. The faith you have in God was designed by Jesus, formed by Jesus. It was shaped by his life. It was shaped by his examples. And when you have faith, it's a gift from God, a something that Jesus wrote and created and authored and formed, and he gives it to you. That's why it's supernatural. That's why it can outlast everything. It's not something in your head. It's not the way you feel. It is something that God has imparted to you. And so when we want to cling to our faith, we need to look at the life of Jesus and the example of Jesus. And when we look at the life of Jesus and the example of Jesus, we don't just see a conquering king. We see a suffering servant who became a conquering king. See, just like you, Jesus had to go through until God came through. Somebody help me out. Jesus had to go to the garden. He had to be tempted. He, he was sweating great drops of blood. And he was praying, Father, if there's any way for this to happen without me going through this, help me. And he prayed, but the Father said, no, you've got to go this. And then he said, not my will, that your will be done. Somebody's going through some stuff right now, and you want to give up because you don't think it's the will of God. No, what you're going through is the will of God, just as sure as the victory at the end of it is the will of God. So Jesus says, the suffering servant and the conquering king. So to cling to your faith, look at Jesus, but don't just look at him seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at him enduring the cross. Jesus had to go through the cross before he could be seated on the throne. Jesus had to go through the cross before the Father could resurrect him. The writer of Hebrews says, look at Jesus, but don't just look at him when he's winning. Look at him when he's despising the shame. Look at him when they're mocking him and, and, and saying, you, you, you said you were going to be the savior of Israel. Now you're hanging on the cross. And he, uh, he was despised and ashamed. When you feel despised, despise the despising. Come on, somebody help me. If someone wants to put shame on you, despise that shame. That's what Jesus did. Look at Jesus. Why? So you can feel sorry for him? No. But so you can be strengthened in your faith. So that you can know that your faith is not a fair weather faith. Your faith is not an untested faith. It's a faith that has endured the cross. It is a faith that has despised the shame. And it is a faith that is still standing. And this faith that got you here is going to get you through until God comes through for you. 
and you will experience the joy that is set before you. I want to encourage somebody today. You, you are feeling the pressure. You're feeling the pressure. You're thinking, is it all in the head? No, it's not all in your head because you're holding on to something called faith. And the last thing the enemy has against you is to get you to open up your hand. But as long as you cling to that, you're going to get there in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I want to pray for everybody here today. And, and you're going through some stuff. And, and maybe you haven't even shared it with anybody. And maybe what I'm preaching today, you're like, hey, that totally makes sense. But I haven't even shared it. I, I actually was thinking about quitting. But this message is encouraging me because I was, I was too ashamed to tell anybody. I feel like there's some people in the room today. And the enemy brought doubt to your mind. But then... He made the pressure worse by bringing shame upon you for having doubt. He's gaslighting you is what he's doing. And you've been too ashamed to tell people that you're experiencing doubt. That you thought about quitting. That you thought about giving up because you thought your faith was weak. No, no, no. Your faith is not weak. The faith that God gave you is designed for moments like this. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit impart something to you today that you would know that your faith was made for this. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for the gift of faith. Father, your word says that it's something called the gift of faith, which means we don't earn it, we don't achieve it, we don't make it up, you just give it to us. So I pray in the name of Jesus right now that there will be a download of the gift of faith in this church in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I sense in my heart that there are that there's a, a well of faith in this room. Well, what I see in my heart is like the, the underground of this church, like even beneath the foundation of this building. And what I see in my mind's eye is like there is a fountain of faith underneath it. And in this moment, as we're praying, there's like a, a gushing up from that well of faith. That God is teaching this church how to tap into the heritage of faith. And there are people in this church that your name will belong in Hebrews 11. Because of the exploits that God is going to do through your life. But you've got to outlast this moment. You've got to endure. Father, your word says that we have need of endurance. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive that endurance. Father, in obedience, we submit to every unnecessary weight being removed. Somebody in this room, you need to open up your heart to God and, and tell the Holy Spirit that whatever he puts his hand on, you will let go. There's at least one person in this room maybe watching online and you've been clinging to things and God has been asking you to let them go and you haven't made the connection that what you're clinging to is what is holding you down. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you make that so clear and you give us all the courage to release. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're here in the room or you're watching online and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. You need to do that. The Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to earth. He died on that cross. The reason why he went on the cross we've been referring to is for your sin and my sin. And what you need to know is that you are a sinner. Sorry that offends you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are a sinner. 
you are separated from God, and your eternal destiny is eternal separation and punishment in hell. And it's not because you're a bad person or that you're a worse person than us. We are all in the same boat that you are, except for Jesus. He died on that cross, and he said, whoever believes in me will have eternal life, starting today and forever. And if you don't have that eternal life, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, it would be my honor to pray with you for you, open, for you to open up your heart to God. And you might say, I, I don't know, I don't think I know enough to give my heart to Jesus. Listen, it's a supernatural thing. If the Holy Spirit's touching your heart right now, and there's something going on in your heart that bypasses your head, and you're wondering what's going on, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God saying, I'm calling you to myself. And all you have to do is respond. So that's you, if you're in a room today or you're watching online, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to please bow your heads and close your eyes with me if you would. I'm going to turn this church service into a prayer meeting just for a moment. And if you're in the room or watching online and you know you need to pray this prayer with me of trusting Jesus, of believing in Jesus, then when we pray, I want you to pray this with all the faith and sincerity in your heart. Church, I'm going to ask you to all of us repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, come on, pray like you know he's still alive. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth, dying for my sin. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've hurt people. I don't deserve forgiveness, but I need forgiveness. Jesus, today I ask you, forgive me, heal me. I receive the free gift of eternal life from now on and forever. I belong to Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Man, wasn't that so good? Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Ben one more time. So great. Why don't we all stand up again? I feel like there's things stirring up in our hearts, so we're just going to take a quick moment. We're going to worship one more time together, sing a song together. Let's just let God stir things up in our heart, continue to worship Him this morning. Amen.
aren't you thankful for the mercy of God this morning? Let's celebrate with those this morning that received that mercy for the very first time. Hey, if that is you this morning and you're in the room or watching online and you pray with Pastor Ben for the very first time to say yes to Jesus, we congratulate with you. We congratulate you. We celebrate with you. We actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand on your journey of faith. This is just one moment in time, but Jesus has called us to be disciples. We have some materials that will help you on your journey. You're here in the room. If you go to the info desk in the lobby, they will be happy to give you those materials. If you're watching us online, if you just email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, we will get those same materials into your hand. Well, before we dismiss the service today, um, I just want to do one more thing. Pastor Ben, could you just come on back up to the stage? Aren't you thankful for that message this morning? such a great job of leading us and administering the word to us uh, this morning. Um, you know, as Pastor Ben was coming, I, as I feel like God laid something on my heart uh, for him and for Cities Church. Earlier this year, do you remember in June, we had our legacy series and we received a legacy offering. Um, and one of the things that we talked about that we're going to be doing with the legacy offering is that we're going to plant uh, churches in Canada and strengthen other churches. So you've already given in this legacy offering. So today, what we want to do is we want to invest in the vision that God has given Pastor Ben. And so what we're going to do today, again, and you've already given this money, we're going to give $5,000 to... To Cities Church, there's an actual check in there. It's not a fake thing. <laughs> We're going to give $5,000 uh, to Cities Church to help fulfill the vision that God has given him. And as you're ministering this morning, I was just thinking, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm certain that God has already put people in your life um, to help provide for this vision. But as, as you were ministering, I just felt like this is just a, a small beginning vision. You know, you can't plant a church with $5,000, but it's just sort of a sign to you of God's provision, just as you were preaching this morning, that God gives you a vision, but then he also gives provision. And so I just feel like this is just a seed. This is just the beginning to show you that God will bring more provision for you here. Amen. So why don't we all just stretch out our hands to Pastor Ben and just pray for him this morning. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this tremendous vision that you have given to him. And as he was preaching this morning, we pray that he will see it through to the other side, that you will strengthen him along the way as it gets difficult, as it gets hard, as it gets challenging. But we know a vision to plant a hundred churches can only come from you. So we just thank you, Lord, for strength for him. We thank you, Lord, for more vision, more provision. We thank you, Lord, for strategies for him, Lord. We thank you Lord, that you provide the leaders and the pastors for these churches and that you give him all of the systems necessary to provide a great network of churches around our nation that are raising up uh, local believers that are raising up disciples for you that are changing cities everywhere across this nation. We just thank you for him, for your grace. We pray, Lord, for him and his family, um, his first child and the more children to come. We just thank you, Lord, that through all of this vision, through all of this time, for all of the things that you put into in his heart, that you are also blessing his family that they are not going by the wayside, that they, you are providing for them and that they will have joy and they will have love along the way. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Look at this.
Well, thank you for coming to church this morning. Just take your seats for a second. Uh, parents, I just want to remind you about next Sunday when you're registering your kids, uh, that they're going to dress up in a fun costume and they're going to get some candy and stuff like that. And the last thing as we're dismissed today, I, you know, I threw it upon you quick. You know, when, as we've been dismissing, you know, the ushers have been dismissing you in an orderly way. And what I said without saying is we're just not going to do that anymore. You can just leave, but be wise, and I'm going to greet you at the door. We're going to love each other, and aren't you thankful for church? Amen. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Amen. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Praise God. Well, have a blessed day. Thanks for coming to church today. You are dismissed.